Uh, if you could just turn to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's a kind of well-known verse, chapter 3, verse 15. I'd just like us to spend a bit of time having a look at it together. Uh, I've broken it down on the screen behind uh, me into sort of the three phrases. I've had to chop it up a little bit just so it reads sensibly. But um, it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, Peter writes, but in your hearts, revere, in the old NIV it says, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Uh, Just as you focus on that verse, just um, three observations. First one is this sort of, where Peter says, always be prepared. What does that assume? What, what sense of responsibility is he placing on Christians through that phrase, always be prepared? What kind of preparation do you think he's talking about? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And we're going to come to that. Walking closely with the Lord, so I want to. One of the biggest parts of preparation for sharing our faith is having a robust, growing, real relationship with Christ. Uh, what, what, what other sense of preparation could there be, though? Willingness. Yeah, so here I am, Lord, use me. Am I willing to be used? Um, some of you have mentioned about not always seizing the opportunity when it's there. Yeah, praying is a really helpful one. Thanks, Pam. Um, praying for the opportunities. There's that sense of preparation. Uh, knowing how to explain the gospel, sometimes actually something very simple can be hard to put in very clear words. It's sometimes hard to communicate really crisply, and you know what you want to say, but it doesn't come out that way. That can be a real challenge. Um, and I guess sometimes not just explain the gospel, but sometimes people have got sort of more difficult apologetic questions and you don't have the answers, and that can be frustrating. But Peter does assume that there's a sense of responsibility on all Christians to in some way be prepared. I think most of that in the context seems to be a sense of preparing our hearts loving Christ more but there will be a sense of taking some responsibility too Um, if you're someone who has no confidence at all in answering some of the difficult questions it'd be really good for you I'd challenge you and encourage you to read a book that might help you with that Uh, speak to someone who is better at it than you Um, there is a sense of being prepared lovely on the video to see this lady who always had a a box of Bibles in her car kind of expectant that there might be an opportunity uh, have a track in their back pocket which explains the gospel um, I've been amazed, I don't do it very much and I should, but I've been amazed the times where I have taken a little gospel track in my back pocket and amazingly something has happened in the day where it was useful. And the days I don't have it in my back pocket, incredibly, there isn't an opportunity. Could be a coincidence, but perhaps not. So there's a sense of responsibility and it's worth thinking, uh, are you ready in all that that means for you? Notice the second phrase, um, which I've, I've jumped around a bit, but it, uh, to give an answer for the reason that you have. Here's a question for you. What's that not saying? And this will encourage you, perhaps. Yep, it certainly can mean that not necessarily will there be a chance just to explain the whole of the gospel. I don't need to panic about that. Good, so if you don't know someone particularly well, um, sometimes it's hard to know how to speak to that person because you don't really know where they're at. But actually, this, the focus is on what do you believe. 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Always be prepared to be quiet and let someone who's better than you do it. It doesn't say that. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have. What about those of you who would say, I don't have the ability to sort of pull complex arguments together at the last minute. How does this verse encourage you if you can't give a really eloquent understanding of suffering or explain how the Bible was composed and put together? Brilliant. Really simple. It's not actually telling us to do that. There are certain people who are gifted who can do that. But if you're a person who goes, I can't be like that, I encourage you, you probably can be better than you think you are. And with God's help, you can probably grow in your ability to share. But the verse is saying, be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. The hope that you have, I think on the video, he just simply said, put it really nicely, I think, uh, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you trust him? And every Christian should be able to share something of why we believe in him. I guess for the reason, the hope that I have, it's worth asking the question, do you have a real and growing relationship with Christ? Because if you don't, it's going to be very hard to speak of the hope that you have. I was just on the phone to a friend this afternoon who was really struggling. Um, He works in London and we were just reflecting that so often the focus in the gospel is on the cross and rightly so, all that Christ has done. But sometimes there's not such an emphasis on the resurrection, the hope And actually the hope of the resurrection, the life through God's spirit, is something that our world desperately needs. It needs the forgiveness, but it needs a power. It needs a reason to live that's different to the reasons the world give. And resurrection hope uh, is something very powerful. It was what I read at the beginning of the service, that inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So there's a sense of responsibility. Always be ready. Are you ready? What could you do to get better prepared and ready? But then the pressure's off a bit. You're just a call to be able to speak of the hope that you have. Don't worry if you haven't got all the answers to every question. Just focus on what you do know. And uh, testimony so powerful because you can't really argue with testimony. Just what difference does Jesus make in your life? They might think you're a nutcase, maybe. But if it's spoken with a real sincerity and a real grace, it's very hard to ignore. And then the third phrase, uh, to everyone that asks you. What does that assume? Yeah, definitely it means that in part. Yeah. Now there's a danger there that we can constantly be waiting for the best opportunity. We're waiting for that day where someone comes up to us and goes, so can you tell me why you're a Christian? What does Jesus mean for you? It's lovely when it comes, but most of us haven't had many experiences like that. And the danger is we can kind of hide behind this verse saying only when someone asks me. But think about the series we've done in its totality. All the stuff about living differently on our front line. What does this verse also assume? Someone might ask me. Why might they ask me? Jeff? Yeah. And through this series, what have we been learning are different ways to get people's attention? Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Have we got it there? There we go. These are the things we've been thinking about. And there were those cards that I handed out in the first week. I've still got a few if you haven't got one. That prayer, Father, help me to model godly character. We live in a godless world, so when we really model godliness, it will stand out. Some people will think we're nutters, but there will be something inherently attractive about that. Uh, Make good work. How many of your colleagues cut corners when the boss isn't watching? Do you? Because if you don't, you'll stick out. And someone eventually might say, why? Uh, Ministering grace and love, it's those small acts of kindness. 
Could you be the person, even though you're the boss of the company, who washes up the cups that no one else ever does? And people look at you and go, why are you doing that? You're the boss. Let the cleaner do it. And you say, why? Uh, that was the example we gave. Molding culture, this idea that it can be a long game, but slowly being different and praying for opportunities, we can shape the cultures we're working in. Uh, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. We looked at the story of Esther last week, didn't we? How God had prepared this kind of pretty random, vulnerable young woman. But God in his sovereignty had placed her in a particular place for a particular job. And I was encouraging all of us, you're not in your workplace or your front line by mistake. That's where God wants you right now. The point is, these are all things that hopefully will get people's attention. And uh, we need to be praying that we can be bold. But I guess ultimately evangelism is about thinking about my hope. Why do I love Christ? What's he done for me? And then how can I make my hope another person's hope? How can I offer something of the gospel that might help this person and transform their life? Just going to watch uh, another video clip. It's just um, two or three minutes, which I hope will build on some of this before we pull some of this together. We're not actually in control of our own fruitfulness, are we? It's, it's not something we can manufacture. We, we can't stick ourselves in the spiritual greenhouse or pop ourselves in a grow bag or pour on the baby bio and just hope for a bumper crop. Jesus does it. He's the vine, we're the branches. We can't make ourselves loving, but we can ask Jesus to help us love. We can't make other people become Christians. But we can ask Jesus to show us how he wants us to contribute. Break up the ground, pull up the weeds, plant the seed, water, and leave him to do what only he can do. Give life. We trust him. And God chooses to trust us. Let me tell you about the head teacher of a primary school. We'll call her Judith. On a very cold February Monday, Judith turned up at work to discover that the heating had broken and several hundred small children were about to arrive. That's how her day began. And her day ended with a very angry child making things very difficult. A troublesome child who'd been troublesome rather too often before. And so, reluctantly, Judith had to exclude him. It's not something any head likes to do. That was how her day ended. Not the bestest of days on her front line. But when she got home, after what was really rather a grim day, after a day when she might well have been justified in having a mega whinge, or soothing herself with a glass or two of medicinal wine, or a huge tub of quadruple chocolate ice cream, something strange happened. As she put it, I found myself thanking God for trusting me with all that. It was for her a completely different way of seeing her front line. God trusted her with it, as God trusted Moses with the Israelites. These were the people God had given her to love. These were the challenges he was expecting her to handle with him. God is trusting us with our front line, trusting us to be his people there, trusting us with the people there, trusting us with the challenges, trusting us with the tasks, and we are not alone. Thank you. 
I'd just like you to, we're going to spend some time at the end of the service, um, a good bit of time praying, because I don't like talking about evangelism and not praying, because it's one of the best things to do off the back of it. But before we do that, I want you to think about um, just one person on your front line, someone in the office, someone at school, someone in the factory, uh, your neighbor, someone in your family. But you've got that person who you know doesn't know the Lord yet, and who's perhaps on your heart. I want to encourage you... um, God loves that person. Even if that person is your boss who's completely unreasonable or that person who lied about the work that they didn't do and got a promotion ahead of you. God loves that person. I spoke earlier that there is a sense of responsibility um, in evangelism. God calls us to speak out for him. He calls us not to be ashamed of him. Um, But tonight particularly, I don't want to challenge us kind of in that robust way. We've got a responsibility. We need to get out there and we need to share the gospel. I want to more paint a bit of a picture that will warm your heart this Christmas for why you could share the gospel. And to do that, I just want to share with you just one line. from. There was a really influential book written in 1980 by a guy called Thomas Smale called The Forgotten Father. Uh, He was at the time redressing what he saw was a bit of an imbalance God who exists as Father, Son and Spirit and he felt that the churches were ignoring the fatherhood of God. So he wrote this book that has proved really influential. Uh, in it, in, as he's commenting on Jesus when he's speaking to his disciples in Luke chapter 11, he's teaching them to pray. Um, Jesus says, and when you pray, say, Father. It's that word Abba, Abba, Father. And he makes the point in the book that in almost every context where that word father is used in the New Testament, it's almost always in the context of prayer and of worship. It's a sense of a deep relationship with God. Um, he, he also makes the point, and it's a sort of technicality, but it helps, um, that the word father comes up in this prayer. It's, it's what's called a vocative. It's a spoken word. It's, it's actually addressing a person. I often think of God as my heavenly father in a sort of theological sense. He's sovereign, he's Lord, he's in control of my life. But this week, as I read some of this book, it reminded me again of the relationship I have with God. You think about, in the Bible, adoption, what it means to belong to God what it means to have a heavenly father. And I read this book and it really warmed my heart because I was thinking about people on my front line and I was thinking, God loves these people. And it struck me, God wants to be their father too. He wants to know them and for them to be his children. So take that person on your front line that I asked you to think about in a minute. God loves that person And he wants to be their father. He wants that person to be his child. And suddenly when I thought about that, it suddenly gave me a complete renewed sense of why I want to share the gospel this Christmas. Yes, there's a sense of responsibility and I need to be brave, I need to be bold. But actually, I want people to know him as their father. Because he's the best father in the world. And straight after reading that book and preparing a bit for tonight, I went out onto Elm Trees where I live with my flyers because I was encouraging you all to do it. And I thought, I've got to do it myself. And I went up to the first uh, door and the lights went on and I just thought, this person's not always that friendly. I'll just stick it through the letterbox. And then I thought, no, I can't do that because I was challenging you, well, you can't do that either. And I didn't. And uh, as I went out, I prayed and I was praying about this idea of fatherhood. And every door I went to, I just said, Lord, you want to be this person's father. You want to be this family's father. 
and had an amazing afternoon just knocking on doors. A few people were really friendly. One couple invited me in for a cup of tea, and I got to know the extended family and some other random links that weren't so random, and it was just wonderful. But it all came from reading this little book and reflecting on what it means that God is our Father. And I just want to encourage you with that this Christmas, that as you hand out your Christmas flyers, as you um, spend time with people who don't know Christ, let one of your prayers be, Lord, you want to be this person's father. You want to adopt them into your family. And suddenly you then see this person in a whole new light when you reflect on what it means that you have God as your father. But what helps available to us as we draw to a close? In the video, he just said that second video, Um, to quote him we can't make ourselves loving but we can ask Jesus to help us to love we can't make other people Christians but we can ask Jesus to show us how we can be a faithful witness if you look at that verse it comes in the second half of verse 15 that we were just thinking about Judy picked up on it particularly how can I be prepared I think what the writer's getting at is really preparing our hearts because just a few verses earlier, here is just the first half of the verse, in your hearts revere or set apart Christ as Lord. The more you have a growing relationship with Christ, the more you love him, you'll want to speak of him because when you love anything in the world, you speak of it. You love your football team, you share the results. You love your wife, you tell people. Well, when you love the Lord, you just want to speak of him. And then a little later on, what is it you speak of him? Verse 18, it's that well-known verse, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And when someone is brought from death to life, when someone's brought from not being in a relationship with God into a relationship with God and they become uh, God's child, he becomes their father. That is the transforming work of the gospel. And so the best preparation that each of us can have this Christmas time is to pray for opportunities and to spend time reflecting on the gospel and to learn to love Christ more because then we won't be able to help but speak of him when the opportunities arise. And friends, when we have that deeper understanding of the gospel, when we understand that the gospel is not just a system by which I'm saved, a passport to heaven, but as we've seen in this series, it's on the screen behind me, the gospel affects all of life. The more that we grasp the depth of the gospel and the breadth of the gospel, the more that we'll see that actually everything in our life really matters to God. And the more that we'll see that God will use everything in our life to bring him glory. Just like that funny story where someone just smiled And the smile led them to a conversation that led them to this lady coming to church. It's often the really small things that God uses. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas time to be bold witnesses. And to really reflect on what it means that God could be the father of that person on your front line. So we're going to spend some time praying now. And uh, I'd love you just to get into little groups as we do this. I'd like you to think about the people on your front line. And as was spoken of in the video, these are the people God has given you to love. It's not a mistake that you have a front line where you do. So let's spend some time praying for people now that they would come to know Christ for themselves. That's not very clear there. It's a bit clearer there. The challenges on your front line. What are the challenges in your front line? He, he said on the video too, that these are the challenges God is asking you to handle with him. Whatever you're going through at the moment. He wants you to handle those with his strength and maybe he'll use you in the difficulties to stand out 
and to be a witness for him. And then finally, the mission of the front line. And this is really the key thing that I really want to bring all the six evenings together to drive just to this one point. And this is the one thing I'd love you to take away. What has God been stirring in your heart over the last little series? Who is it who he has laid on your heart? Who he wants you to love? Who he wants you to speak to? Who he wants you to invite to something? Who he wants you to pray for? Don't worry about everybody else. Just think of the one person. Uh, So let's pray for a few moments now for people. Let's pray for challenges. Let's pray for mission. And let's really pray that this Christmas, people in our communities who are on our front lines would come to know God as their father. That they'd be adopted into his family. That would be a wonderful thing to see this Christmas, wouldn't it?